Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Welcome to The Rock. No, this isn't The Rock. This is a Real Film Nerds Podcast. And I'm your host, as always, Mr. Matt Hinshaw. With me, my good buddy, the guy that refuses to buy Borderlands 3 so that I can have a friend to play with, Mysterious Mike Talent. Hey, everybody. It's not that I'm refusing to buy it. It's just that, uh, you know, uh, I don't have time to play it. So what's 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 it doing uh, sitting on the shelf, just holding the shelf up? Did you ever think that mags might want to play it? Uh, yeah, video games and mags don't really go together. It's like uh, peanut butter and pomegranate jelly? Sure. Peanut butter and pomegranate jelly. I don't know. I was fishing. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I know. That fell apart. It's okay. Yeah, it didn't work. I'm sorry. So, Mike, speaking about your best. Your best. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Nice, Matt. Nice. I know you wanted me to do that because it's your favorite line from this movie. Which is what, Michael? This movie is The Rock. And what episode is it? Oh, shoot. I don't even know, man. I uh... Do you know? 135, Michael. See, if you actually listen to the podcast you helped produce, you might know that, Michael. Yes. So, uh, 135. And it is uh, directed by Michael Bay. Uh, its writers are David Weisenberg, Douglas Cook, and the screenplay is Mark Rosner. Uh, it's starring Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage, Ed Harris, John Spencer. And this movie is about a mild-mannered chemist and an ex-con must lead a counter-strike when a rogue group of military men led by a renegade general threaten a nerve gas attack from Alcatraz against San Francisco. Wow, that description couldn't be farther from the truth. Nicolas Cage playing someone mild-mannered? My butt. (laughs) I liked his nerdy, um, Elvis-loving, chemical super freak uh, character. Elvis-loving? He was Beatle-lover, dude. Oh, yeah, Beatle. Sorry, my bad. How can you get Elvis and the Beatles mixed up? You're going to be crucified now. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to everybody. I don't know why. You I mean our that four up. listeners that are all related to us? <laughs> yeah, our, our four to eight listeners that are probably related to us. So speaking of that, Mike, what the hell are we doing wrong in the podcast? We have been going for coming up on almost two years. I have a spot on a radio station every week. I have stickers. I tell everyone to listen. What are what the hell are we doing wrong? Why do people not want to listen to our podcast? Uh, I think there's just so many other podcasts to listen to. Um, it could be that uh, maybe we we're not promoting enough. I know that we've promoted or uh, more. Well, what I should say is you've promoted a ton, and I've promoted sometimes, but not as much as you have. I think you might need to retract sometimes. <laughs> so, so to 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 what? To no times? Occasionally, maybe if you feel like it. 
Okay, occasionally, maybe if I feel like it. <laughs> but I don't know, man. Uh, I feel like uh, we have slowed down our cadence of releasing episodes, but we've just had a lot of time conflicts. The The three-hour time change is a little bit difficult to work with. Um and uh, also just having the time to watch all these movies, you know. Uh, I know for you and me, sometimes it's difficult to make it to the theater twice in a week if we're doing theater movies or, I mean, even if we had a dedicated, uh, you know, one movie a week on Netflix or something, we still have to make time for it. So, or or Prime or whatever, one of the streaming services. And there's about to be a bunch more streaming services, so I don't know what we're going to do. Well, but the question is, is I don't know if it's so much our amount of content versus the quality of the content or what, because yes, our numbers have gone down because we have cut the number of episodes in half, which does make a difference. But we have, since the inception of the show in February of 2017, 2017, 2017, yeah. We have been on a steady, steady climb. It has never dropped off. It's dropped off during certain periods, like typically around like Thanksgiving and typically around like Christmas and stuff like that. But in July, our numbers have started falling and they have not come back up at all. I don't know. I don't know, man. Who knows? Who, who knows exactly what happened? Is it because you swear too much, Mike? It's probably that. Yeah, I knew it. Well, all right. Well, I will get us back on topic, but uh, I just figured I would bring that up. And, you know, for mom, dad, my sister who doesn't talk to me, my other sister who doesn't talk to me, and Frank, uh, go ahead and tell us why you aren't telling your friends to listen to our podcast and why you're not helping us grow our numbers. Yeah, that'd be great. And I'll ask Mags. All right, good. Because she's the only one you tell, right? Uh, I tell people at work and stuff, but, um, you know, I don't know if any of them listen to me. I don't, like, you know, uh, force them to listen. See, that's what you're going wrong. When I go into work, every Wednesday morning, I take all of them, including my boss, I chain them down to their desks, and I hit play. See, that's what I'm doing wrong. I'm hitting play for like nine or ten different people and one place and one IP address. I need to do it in their homes. That's what I'm doing wrong. Got it. Oh, I figured it out. Yep, that's 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 probably it, you know. Um, so I'll, I'll make sure that I, I uh, tie down all my coworkers uh, on Wednesdays and make sure they listen to the pod. Well, I'm glad we got a solution. All right, Mike, back on topic. Let's go with The Rock. I know you love this movie, and I know I love this movie. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk at you next week. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we definitely love this movie. Uh, this is a fun one to review again. I I can watch this movie on loop for the rest of my life. I, I really like this movie. I don't know. From pretty much the beginning to the end, it's great. Uh, this is some of Michael Bay's earlier movies, and you know he he knows how to make explosions and and this was like a masterpiece. Wow, that's quite a bold statement, Michael, calling it a masterpiece. 
Dude, it, this is, this is, oh, well, here, let me put it in quotes. A Michael Bay masterpiece. Okay. All right. All right. You know, the other surprising thing is how Jerry Bruckheimer was a part of it. I totally forgot he produced it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is surprising. I'd forgotten that, too. Okay, so I don't know if we're going to do spoilers or not, because this is a legacy cast, so we're just going to talk about it, because this movie is from what, 93 or 95? 96. 96. Okay. I was wrong on both accounts. So let's just go ahead and just talk about it. Um, I think this movie is aged fairly well. It's uh, not perfect. It's, you know, one thing that really upsets me is that um, at least we can figure out when the origin of the man bun came in and the rock is responsible for that. Are you sure? You think it's it's the rock that is the origin of the man bun? Yes. I thought it was this uh David Beckham guy in in Britain who well, played he probably that, got it the from foosball. the rock. Yeah, I think he was just playing the foosball or something. And he probably got it from the rock. Oh, okay. All right. Cuz I'm trying to look up the actor's name. I can't find it. He's in um Oh, I don't even remember what his name was in the in the movie. He was in uh, um, Training Day. Oh, oh, okay. Um, let's see. I'm trying to look it up, and I cannot find it here because he rocked a man bun the entire freaking movie. He did. He did. I know what you're talking about man, but I'm not seeing his picture. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Does he not have a headshot? I, I think he would. Hmm. Weird. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. When you when you see him on screen, you'll recognize it. And yeah, he's uh he's in that infamous scene in the kitchen in Training Day with Ethan Hawke, where they're playing poker. I'll leave it at that. Oh. Okay. Yep. I'm spacing on his name. Spacing on his character's name. Anyways, uh, that was funny to say that that was the start of the man bun because I didn't even really realize that's what it was until we watched it today. Nice, man. Nice. You know, another one that I noticed about this show, 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 movie that's real interesting is this was Michael Bay starting out. You know, he still was not the household name he is today. He was known but not at the level that he's known now. And he still got all that wicked access to the military. Yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe he just, he, maybe he knew people, you know, it has to be something. I don't know. Ahead of time or something. Yeah. Cause he, he, um, let's see. When did, uh, I'm looking real quick before I say anything. Like he did music videos for a long time. And then, yeah, he did Bad Boys in 95, so this is right after Bad Boys. Well, and Bad Boys really didn't deal with the military. He had some stuff in there, but not like the level of this, where like he has a you know squadron of F-18s fly underneath the Golden, Golden Gate Bridge, and I'm pretty sure that was practical. Yeah, it, it looked practical. I don't know like if it was filmed for, for something else, but yeah. No, that was cool. Yeah, I really like that shot. That's a really cool shot. Yeah, and the helicopter stuff. All that looked like real helicopters. I mean, I don't know if they were really flying 
like when they did those scenes, but at least as far as them getting into them and them, you know, being on the the uh, uh, pads or whatever, the the airport, that all looks real. Oh, yeah. I'm sure, you know, it's sure they might not have been actually flying in them, but they definitely had helicopters fly over the rock and drop people off and, you know, probably stuntmen or ac- maybe actual military. Who knows? They definitely did that. I mean, because this is 96, man. A lot of the effects are practical because CGI back then just looked god awful. Yeah. All right. So, Mike, do you think Sean Connery's character in this film is supposed to be James Bond and James Bond just got caught and locked up? And that's why we haven't had Sean Connery as James Bond since? <laughs> no, but that's pretty funny. I <laughs> I don't I don't think that that at all. You're sure? Yes, or at least that's uh, that was my uh, my own thinking, yeah. Well, all right, cuz I mean that's what I'm going with. I think they just caught James Bond stealing the the microfish and hiding it in a uh, you know, church in Kansas. Oh, okay. Well, all right. That, that that's cool, man. Like, uh, I didn't think that at all. Uh, I really like Sean Connery's character. It, like, to me, the Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage, and Ed Harris were just like the perfect guys to do their roles. They were exactly the right cast. Ed Harris always, always makes a really, really good villain. History of Violence comes to mind. He was a fantastic villain in that movie. Very scary. He also makes a really good uh, hero, I guess. I don't want to say good guy, but hero or side character of a hero. A lot like uh, we've had this discussion in the past, like uh, Wesley Snipes can do both. So Ed Harris kind of can do the same thing. And it was perfect because he's a bad guy and he's a good guy in this film from a kind of perspective because he can't kill a hundred thousand innocent people that are watching a football game. He just can't. And so, you know, he turns the missile, but again, he did steal all those things and try and anyways. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I mean, he's a bad guy, but he wasn't quite a bad, like he was an honorable guy. He's kind of like, uh, Thanos. That's an interesting comparison. (laughs) Thanos still killed millions and millions of people and Ed Harris couldn't do that yeah but I mean they're they're cut from the same thread although I bet you he killed a lot of people in war because you know he's supposed to be this big time general that you know commanded a platoon and stuff in Vietnam and then Desert Storm and all that I'm sure he was in charge of sending a lot of people to their graves so you know maybe maybe it works yeah 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 but Thor didn't show up and cut his head off. Oh, spoiler alerts. Oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, this, uh, you know, I love this. Love watching this movie. Um, this is kind of the first movie, I think, where I remember thinking of Nick Cage as kind of a star. Because after this, he did, like, Con Air and a whole bunch of movies. And then... Then he became bankrupt, and now he just does whatever they'll pay him to do. But, uh... Yeah, he's the uh, white Sam Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um... 
it's it's been an interesting experience seeing his ups and downs in his career. I know he was in other movies before this one, but I felt like this one kind of made him a star because he was it was big action movie. I don't know. Maybe that's just us. Or, or what do you think, Matt? He literally has seven films right now in production. Seven. That's crazy. Yeah, Matt, but if you got like 10 grand, you could have him in the eighth. <laughs> nope, I don't. Um, oh, all right. Yeah, well, this definitely was did help Nick Cage break out as more of what you would call a star. Because after this, you know, it just kind of took off. He did... Um, Lots of films just like back to back to back to back after The Rock. I mean, there was Con Air, and then he did Face Off, and then City of Angels, and then Snake Eyes, and 8mm, Bringing Out the Dead, Gone in 60 Seconds, The Family Man. That's all between 95 and 90, oh, 95 and 2000. So in five years, he did like 15 movies. Yeah. Uh, also, Leaving Las Vegas was in 95. Sorry. So, oh yeah, man, that one uh, got a uh, him an Oscar nom, and that's nomination. probably what you know. The Rock probably had already been filmed by then when it came out, and he got that nod. But that probably helped catapult him into these other films. But granted, Snake Eyes wasn't a huge hit. City of Angels wasn't a huge hit. Eight Millimeter wasn't a huge hit. But if you're a fan of film, you most likely have seen those movies, like I have. Yeah, I didn't really like eight millimeter, but dude, eight I millimeter think it's just was the super disturbing dark. content. I mean, that was yeah. super dark. Yeah, I did enjoy bringing out the dead, though. That's a really good movie. Yeah, that is good. And gone in sixty seconds. I mean, come on. Oh yeah, well of course, we all watched it for the cars, but it was great. Here's one that I saw in college. I actually got to go to a screener for it. 2002 was a uh, adaptation where he played uh, twin brothers. Oh yeah, that was a really interesting movie. Anyways, enough, enough about Nick Cage. I mean, you know, it's just it's definitely what put him on the map. And then you know he lost all his money, and that's when he started doing everything. And oh, I don't know. It's some of the roles he's done since are pretty good and some are very very questionable (laughs) i guess is the best way to put it yeah yeah there you go now mike what do you think about this being one of sean connery's last films uh i think it was a great movie for him i thought his role was i don't know if it was written for him exactly when they first wrote this, but he fit perfectly into the mold as like a, a British spy who, who escaped, but they couldn't admit the embarrassment of him escaping. And like, he didn't exist. Like I love the backstory of his character. Yeah. I I thought it was a very interesting character, especially how they locked him down, arrested him and never ever gave him a trial until he gave that up and he's just stuck to his guns yeah yeah uh it was it was a fascinating concept and i was like you know what i could see that happening you know what's really depressing though like sean connery's like last movie 
like full movie before giving it up for supposedly good was the League League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh. That's not a horrible, horrible movie, but it's nothing special either. I mean, it was okay. So, Mike, why do you love this movie so much? Like, is there a particular scene? Is it just the acting? Is it the overall? Is it the action? Is it the set pieces? I think it's really the overall movie. It has good pacing. It has good action. has good, like, dialogue. Um, I like the set pieces, like the, the underground tunnel stuff. I don't know where that was filmed, but that was awesome. Like, I doubt it's in Alcatraz, but... Dude, that shit um, straight up reminded me of, like, Indiana Jones. Like, it straight up is like Indiana Jones. And the mine carts and, yeah, they're laundry, oh, yeah. laundry carts and all that, but it's like, wow, okay. All that stuff was great. I just, uh, I don't know. I even like the little, like, the, the poisonous gas, like... It's just a, it's a believable story, uh, and the actors are kind of fun. It's like fun, it's kind of fun to watch. Even though it's serious a lot of times, there's lots of levity in it. Like, I take pleasure in gutting you, boy. Like, there's all (laughs) kinds of, there's all kinds of little scenes in the movie that are just good. It's definitely one of the most quotable Michael Bay films ever made, that's for sure. Yeah, so I mean those are the things that I liked. I don't know, the the use of the Navy SEALs and and like all I mean it's like it's kind of like a real life G.I. Joe kind of movie. And I loved it. Who is it that plays that um the leader of the uh, Navy SEALs? Because he plays the leader of the Navy SEALs. Sean Bean. Yeah, that's what I that's what I thought. Or Michael Bean, right? Michael I think it's Michael Bean, yeah. Because he plays like the uh, um, leader. Yeah. He plays like the uh, commander of the Navy SEALs in the Navy SEAL movie with Charlie Sheen, which was done in 1990. So I wonder if they're like, well, this guy's already done it. So let's just get him again. Like, but. Yeah. And he he was also a SEAL in Aliens. uh, Yeah. That's right. He just always plays like some kind of. Not so much military like commander, but he's always like the platoon like leader, like the leader of the little group. Yeah. It's just kind of, I, I hate to say typecast, but he just kind of is. Oh, man. Do you know where he's from? The Terminator, where he also played Kyle Reese? Yeah, but, but where he's from, like in real life. Well, I can read on his IMDb, he's from Alabama. Well,. It- He said he grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska, and then he moved to Lake Havasu, Arizona. Oh, that's interesting. And then he went to he went to uh, school at U of A. Oh well, that explains why I don't like him. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Okay, sorry. No, you're good, man. You're good. You're good. Everybody loves that kind of stuff. Like uh, you know, one of my favorite roles. He was a villain that he did. Was uh, Johnny Ringo in Tombstone? Oh yeah, that was a great. Oh man, I loved Tombstone. It's such a great movie as well. Not the one, not Wyatt Earp one. Tombstone. Yeah, we got to do that eventually. Wyatt Earp was kind of rough. It's not a bad movie, but it's not at the level just, of Tombstone. Yeah, it's just slower and and longer. Well, and they actually filmed Wyatt Earp in Tombstone and around Southern Arizona where. Tombstone, the movie, was filmed mostly in Tucson, 
which there's nothing wrong with that. And if you ever want to see Tucson Studios before it burned to the ground, watch the original Tombstone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, all right, Mike. Speaking of, I don't know, a Tombstone from Thanos having to kill so many people? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, all right. How does The Rock relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Ah, well, thanks for asking, Matt. Um, So, The Rock, uh, there's a character played by, um, I'm probably going to screw up his name, Bokey Woodbine. Uh, He plays Sergeant Crisp. He's also in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming as Herman Schultz slash Shocker number two. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. He is Shocker number two. Yeah, that's right. He always plays some kind of thug or military guy. He's done a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah, he does seem to be kind of typecast as like a a military, like, um, I don't know, uh, mercenary type, I guess. But that's okay. I mean, if he's still getting steady work. He's getting paid, right? Yeah. He was also in uh, Riddick. Oh, yeah, he was. In the big hit. Nice. And again, typecast, he was in Overlord. <laughs> you remember that in Overlord? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, I do. It was a great role until it ended too fast. God, that movie was rough, man. Anyways, okay. Back on topic. The Rock. I definitely had some issues with this film watching it today versus when I was in college or in high school. The one, though, that I never really noticed, and maybe it was because I didn't have quite the surround sound I have now. It's not great. It's not like yours. I don't have like a Bose system. I mean, not everybody won the lottery like you, Mike. Right. That's true. Not everybody did. No, I'm not talking the real lottery. I'm talking the lottery of life. <laughs> oh, all philosophical, man. I like it. <laughs> Go go for it, Matt, to tell us about how uh, you got shit on in life's philosophical way. No, this isn't that podcast. This will take a, That'll take way too long, Mike, way too long. So I'm going to continue talking about The Rock and how the problem I had, one of the problems I had with it today is the score is just almost overpowering. And I don't know if that's because of the Blu-ray or what, but it just... Like when it's a big dramatic moment, it has that big dramatic score, and it's it kind of gets annoying towards the end of the movie. Well, I think it is uh, composed by uh, Hans Zimmer and somebody else, Hans Zimmer and Nick Glanny Smith, and I don't know, maybe that's the way that Hans saw it with Michael Bay. I don't know. Well, it's not bad. It's just, oh look, here's a you know he's got to pull the you know, the missile apart with all the little, you know, pearl chemical things. And it's like, it starts like ramping up and stuff and getting really loud. It's, I guess it's just very, very, very nineties and movies really don't do that quite to this level anymore. Yeah. It was like telegraphing you. This is an important part and this is why. Right. It's like, you need to pay attention. We're turning the volume up of the dramatic score because if he drops this, everybody's dead, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yes, let's turn this to 11. Yeah, but I it's never really bothered me 
much in previous films, especially this one, until I I just noticed it because it just I don't know maybe it's how many films we're seeing now or what I don't know, but it just really stuck out to me and kind of you know I was like really okay okay Ugh. that that's cool. Well, what else bothered you, man? You know, there's a a lot of a lot of fantasy in the movie, which. That's fine. And, you know, you said it, you had an issue with that when it came to Ad Astra last week. That's true. I did. But it's not quite as bad. Like, one that really kind of, again, it's dumb. But when Sean Sean Connery takes the rope out of the shower and then throws the director over the balcony and the rope's like 100 feet long and it snaps his arm and all that stuff. I'm like, no, those ropes are like three feet long. He barely would have gotten the knot tied around his arm. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're talking from the shower, like the hanging uh, like line or whatever that's in the showers at some hotels. Right, right, which I, I'm not sure what that's for, but... Yeah, it's to hang your clothes uh, in over the bathtub so they're dry. Yeah, that's what I figured I'm it was. It was like sure. a clo- clo- clothes hanger kind of thing or whatever. You know, maybe if you're like swimming or something, or you have a wet towel or whatever. But there's yeah, no. I think I think that's what that's. There's for. no way in hell that rope is like a hundred feet long. And I'm just like, again, I had to suspend disbelief. But that's one that caught me. Well, yeah, I also question if he could get through the two way mirror with what he did. That's another one. Yeah, but but eh, you know, it made for some good stuff like. The I actually thought the guy's arm would not like I I don't know if if it would hold on. As gruesome as that sounds, that's exactly what I was thinking. Especially not uh, not knowing his weight, but how much weight a person would be, and that sudden jerk, it would just yank it probably right out of the socket. I know that's gruesome, but yeah, I feel like it might go a little more dangly. Like uh, yeah, no, it sounded it could be worse. Yeah. But anyways, again, it was made in the 90s, trying to suspend some disbelief, like in Ad Astra. But anywho, I still don't believe, you know, Nicolas Cage being like this smart, like nerd guy. I mean, he does a good job of acting it, but just, again, from the future looking back, (laughs) it's a little rough. It's a little rough to believe that. Oh, man, come on. I, I, I totally, I still believe it. He just seemed like he was totally uncomfortable most of the movie, and he would in that situation. So I was like, cool. That's exactly how you should do it. I guess it's because, you know, like, you saw Con Air, which came out after this, almost immediately after this, and he's the exact opposite. Yes, that's true. So, I don't know. All right, well, Mike, I don't want to take up too much of your time, because I know winning the lottery of life, you have lots of important things to do. Yes, yes. As a lottery winter, I I also do not get much sleep. What's a lottery winter? Winter, winter. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh. I was gonna say, is that when it snows money? <laughs> I don't know, man. I haven't been to one of those. I want that kind of winter. All right. Well, hope for that winter. Go for it. How many reels do you give? Nineteen ninety six is The Rock. All right, so I'm going to have to give out one of the rare, rarest things. This is rarer than unicorns. Five reels. Jeez. Out of five. Five out of five. 
So this is up there next to Jaws in your book. Does it go Jaws and then The Rock, or is it The Rock and then Jaws? I think it goes Jaws, then Rock. So this is more like a 4.99. No, it's still a 5, because you told you told me that the reels are based on the individual merits of the movie and not supposed to be uh, taken as a whole against other movies. I said that? That sounds really smart. Are you sure I said that? I believe you did say that, yeah. Okay, Mike. Well, I give it the same score I gave at Ad Astra last week. I give it four out of five reels. And if you would have asked like 10 years ago, I probably would have given it a five out of five. But today it just doesn't hold up for me as well as it used to. It's still one of my favorite Nick Cage and Sean Connery films. It's still probably my favorite Michael Bay film, but it's just not, I don't know. Okay. All right, it man. hasn't aged as gracefully as I wanted it to, or it's, it has aged in my mind, I guess is a good way to put it. Okay. No, that's fair, man. Um, but that, that it's interesting that for once I'm higher than you on, on reels. So we'll remember this day. Dude, it's been more often than not recently. There was one, uh, another, I don't remember what it was, but I remember writing the show notes for it. And I even put that in there that you were higher than me for once. And it was very strange. Yeah, so uh, Matt, are you going to talk about our next week's uh, uh, pod? The, I think you're pretty excited. I know I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about a movie that is already getting lots and lots and lots of wonderful controversy for how violent and dark and messed up it is. But I am most excited about it because of the actor that's playing the main role. It's uh, Joaquin Phoenix. He's going to be the Joker. Yes, this looks really interesting. And they keep saying it's like the performance of a lifetime. Well, I am not a huge DC guy. I do like select DC products. I have seen most of the DC films in the theaters. But this has me almost as excited as when the original Batman starring Michael Keaton came out. Wow. All right. That's that's good, man. On the hype meter, that's real good. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. I I just love Joaquin Phoenix as an actor as well, though. He's very, very good. I think he's one of the greatest actors of our day. Uh, he's a very good actor, for sure. Uh, I've liked a lot of his, his movies as of late. Um, so it, this will be interesting to see what happens, man. I don't know. Like I just hope that all this buzz and stuff isn't like a letdown when I go to the theater and I'm like, oh. What was that? But I don't I don't think it's going to be. What do you think about the controversy surrounding it, Mike? That it's uh, a dark, uh, violent movie? Well, the military is literally putting out warnings to their soldiers about this film. Oh, man. No, I hadn't heard about some of that stuff. Man, you, you, you got to tell me. It's. I don't want to... It'll take forever to explain it all down to it. The basis of it is that this film glorifies violence and terrorism. And so oh. they're trying to tell people not to go see it and not to watch it because it glorifies terror- terrorism. Much like the age-old thing about how violent vi- video games make kids violent and make them go shoot up schools and stuff like that. It is not like that. Is It is an art form. And if you are mentally unstable and you think this kind of stuff is reality, you shouldn't be 
in society to begin with, let alone watching stuff like this. Yes. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would argue that if you have mental issues and shouldn't watch this, that they can't get treatment because no one will pay for anything anymore. So, anyway. It's just, I don't, you know, being a video game person... I'm not I I don't know if I can call myself a gamer anymore. I mean, you and I were the original gamers back in the day with everyone else in our age bracket. I don't live and die by video games. That's not what I play all the time right now. I'm hot and heavy into Borderlands, but I don't like it when the media, which I used to be a member of, blames a lot of the violence in our society on violent art forms. I truly do believe video games are an art form. Paintings, photography, comic books, it's all different forms of art. Movies, for sure. Yes, art, not every single piece of art in this world is for every single person. But if it starts a conversation and makes you think, then it's a good piece of art. Yeah, man. What about uh, music, man? Oh, yeah. I forgot um, music, too. Yeah. Come on, man. Like, uh... I clearly um, have a problem because I listen to Insane Clown Posse. Well, that's beside the point. I mean, anybody that listens to Insane Clown Posse is insane. Yeah. My juggalo ways are always questioned, but I persevere. Dude, we might have to change your name. Yeah? To what? Mike Juggalo Talent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Juggalo Mike Talent? yeah it does have a ring to it but yeah no well that's another one that is interesting to talk about music um both of us are pretty much metal heads and metal is always seen as dark and evil and satanic by people that don't listen to it yeah which is not true yeah 100 percent not true anyways mike we could seriously we could have a two-hour long conversation just on the abuses of this Yes. The whole point was, I was just trying to point out for the Joker, is that if you're on the fence about seeing it because of all the controversy surrounding it, don't let that clout your judgment. If you want, wait until Mike and I see it and we'll let you know our thoughts on it. But that's what art is. It's starting a conversation. Yes, it's probably extremely violent. I don't know if it's any more violent than, say, this film, or maybe any more violent than, say, a Marvel Cinematic Universe film. I mean, think about it. Th- those are straight-up wars going on in some of those films. Or or uh, what about uh, this most re- recent Rambo movie? Man, it's really violent. Is it? I, I still haven't seen it. Yeah. No, it, it is. There's a scene in the ba- at the end, Matt, that's almost cartoonish. Wow, is it violent? Yeah. Well, see, but again, it's it's starting a conversation, and that's what art is supposed to do. For those of you who haven't studied it or don't care to study it or whatever, the whole basis of doing any form of art form is expression and starting a conversation and making you question and think. Yeah. Yeah. So... Anyways, all right. Well, tune in. Hopefully next week, Mike and I will get to the theaters and we will see The Joker and we will talk about The Joker. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It it should be an interesting movie. 
So not to end on a philosophical, you know, down note, maybe, I don't know, maybe not down note or lecture or whatever, but, uh, yeah, I think it's important. Yeah. Me too, man. All right, Mike, I'm done talking your turn. All right. Well, I guess with all that, uh, you know, thanks for listening, everybody. And, uh, Catch us on our next pod. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie.